Oh, well, how do you like that? Go ahead and <laughs> fix that. Wow. There we go. Hey. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily. I hope this evening finds you well. Um, it's been an interesting couple of days here. Um, <laughs> the most improbable of comebacks against the best bullpen in baseball, followed by uh, Jerry Reinsdorf in a interview symposium, driving Mr. Danny Miller here absolutely nuts. So I figured we'd hop on today and uh, talk about this stuff uh, as well. Um, so... My name is Ian Eskridge, my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing, Danny? Uh, you know, I, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, mildly. I, you know what? Let's. I'm going to change that. I am wildly excited to get into tonight's show. Uh, you know, we have some content this week that uh, is different for once. Or at least, you know, part of our content will be different for once. But uh yeah, man, I'm I'm doing well. Uh I'm sitting here. Yeah, for those of you who are not watching the stream, I'm sitting here in the uh the beautiful giveaway from Saturday's game that was the uh the White Sox hockey. I won't call it a sweater, I'll call it a jersey, because it's definitely not a hockey sweater. But uh yeah, wife and I went to the uh whiskey Q. Socks crawl at the park. Uh, got into the park early, uh, thankfully, because I did see you know the tweets that uh, things really haven't changed when uh, when there's a giveaway going on and the <laughs> the lines. I am shocked. Tell me it's right. not so. so. So yeah, uh, I was I was thankful that uh, you know we we had purchased those uh, those tickets for the uh, the crawl uh, before the season even started. To be honest with you, and. Uh, you know, it worked out to our advantage, at least in the uh, in the way of of getting in and getting our giveaway. Because uh, the rest of that day, went, you know, we had fun. It went well, but uh, you know, the result at the end of the evening was not so great. But anyways, I digress. We'll get more into that as the show goes on tonight. Uh, how are you doing, man? Oh, you know, I can't complain. Uh, I mean, I could, uh, but it's not really worth it because. Uh, <laughs> You know, this whole baseball season's been a uh, just so much bad, and uh, you know, I I know that um, you know as far as uh, Sunday goes, that you are kind of spaced out on that on that uh, last couple of innings of that game. Um, oh, I I was getting all the noties, all the notifications were coming in, and I yeah, I just didn't bother turning the game on because. You know, I watched them implode for 10 runs in a single inning in person on yeah. Saturday evening. So, yeah, that yeah. was that was really ugly. Um, Lance, I mean, Lance Lynn went out there and did what he's supposed to do. And all of a sudden, just the wheels fell right off. And uh, yeah, that was that was really ugly. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'll say this about Lance. Uh you know, it's it's no secret at this point now that Lance Lynn had a no no going, uh, you know, into the later innings of the game. But uh, the one thing I will say is that, uh, and you know, we've been talking about trying to figure out what's going on with this pitching for weeks now, right? But uh, 
you know, being there in person, it felt like, and I, I could almost predict, I actually did predict almost pitch by pitch what happened in the first inning with Lance Lynn. You know, Lance Lynn got outs when he was supposed to get outs, didn't give up a hit, but pitch counts got up yep. rather early. Hit almost 30 pitches in the first inning. After going up in the count one and two to the first two batters, he went to three and two to both of those two batters and finished the inning, I think, with 26 or 27 pitches. And I kind of started to get a feel for what was going on, I think. And it just looks like the starting pitching staff wants to strike everybody out. They start getting really cute once they get ahead. They stop attacking. And they're just looking for that wipeout strikeout pitch, and they're missing. And, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong, but, you know, what I witnessed on Saturday night, sure, Lance Lynn had the no-hitter, but, you know, there was no way he was going to go all the way through that game because his pitch count was not, it, it was not, you know, can what what is the, what's the word I'm looking for? Conducive uh, to going late conducive. in games. Yeah. That's that's the one. Exactly. So anywho, I digress. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing with Cease all the time, you know, is that uh he keeps on getting higher pitch counts. Yeah, he's getting a lot, you know, well, not last game, but uh, you know, for the most part he gets a lot of strikeouts, but the issue being is that his pitch count is too high in the first inning and too high in the second inning, you know, and then usually he calms down and he ends up getting to five or six. But, uh, you know, having 25 pitches after the first inning is not going to, you know, help you in your, you know, ability to be able to go longer in the games, you know? No. And, you know, if, if this is what's happening, I can, I can kind of see that maybe because of the past two seasons, uh, pitchers wanting to shoulder as many of the outs as they possibly can by striking guys out because of the defense that has been playing behind them for the last few years. And, you know, granted this white Sox defense right now isn't perfect, uh, but it is better and more capable than what they've had behind them the last two seasons. Uh, I would much rather see them, you know, I I don't mind. I don't want to see you throw the ball middle middle. You know, when yep. you're ahead in the count, but I don't want you to. I don't want to see you throw sliders that are eight inches off the plate. You're not fooling anybody with that garbage. At least make it believable. You know, if you're gonna try to get that swing and miss, do you know, make it close. You know, if they get contact on it, it's not going to be good contact if it's at least closer. But you're not even inducing swings at this point. You, know, you got guys standing up there one and two, and they're shoulder in the bat. So I don't know. Uh, you know, it is what it is. That's uh, something for uh, Ethan Katz to work on. I'm just kind of spitballing on what I might be saying here, but I don't really know if that's what's going on or not. You know, it's all speculation at this point. But yeah, you know, he did what he was supposed to do for the most part. Got the socks into the late innings. Got himself a quality start. Save the bullpen for the most part. And, uh, you know, things just didn't work out. Nope. Um, <laughs> let's go uh, to something else that uh, 
is also pleasant to talk about. Uh, Luis Robert. Yeah. Um, Luis Robert. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm bringing it up, because it happened in the same (laughs) game. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Uh, Luis Robert um, gets benched for not hustling manager's decision it says it does not say injury in the inju- you know in the uh in the game notes um after the uh after the well actually after he got pulled uh they showed him in the dugout uh basically ignoring Grafol and Montoyo and uh then later you see him talking with uh several of his uh, of of the of the other White Sox players and the interviews later, his answers were pretty, you know, he said that uh, he had been hustling too hard the night before and that, uh, you know, he was kind of tender, so he was kind of taking it easy in that game. Um, Take it easy. Yeah, and then couldn't name the bench coach for his own team. I mean, what do you think Charlie thought of that? Yeah. We don't even play for them, and I can tell you any you know, you ask me at any given time of any given day, and I can tell you Charlie Montoyo is the bench coach. Yeah. Why? <laughs> and you don't spend every you know, you don't spend every day with them. Every wake right. I don't spend every waking minute, you know, for nine, ten months out of the year with this guy. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, granted, now it hasn't been 10 months at this point, but, you know, regardless, it, they've been seeing each other every day since, like, I don't know, February sometime. So, yeah, it's, that's, I, I have no words, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be friends with the guy because he's, you know, just because he's the bench coach, but I mean, you would think that he would at least know his name. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, at Is that least, too much to ask? At least be on a on a last name basis with him and at least know that Montoyo <laughs> is the bench coach. You don't even have to call him Charlie. Just call him Montoyo. That's fine. Uh, right. Um, right. And this this is on the heels of the uh, Eloy and Luis uh, argument in the dugout, you know, from him not uh, supposedly not calling off Eloy in the outfield, uh, basically fielding a ball in left field. Uh, right field. Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, right field. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just uh, one thing after another with this guy lately. And, and you, you know, know, he did the same thing to Gavin Sheets the very next game. Yeah. You know, where he ran right in front of him and uh, right in front of an outstretched glove. Now, granted, you know, uh, watching Gavin Sheets in the outfield, even when he does make a catch, it's an adventure. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, and and he does glide all over the field. I think I said the same thing last week when we talked about this, but, you know, I, I would rather not see these guys run into each other and cause more injuries like we have seen in the past. Yeah. Like, just speak up, dude. Yeah. We get it. You're the best defender in the outfield for the organization. Hands down, there's no two ways about it. We get it. But you, even though you feel like you can patrol all three fields, you probably need to say something. Speak up. 
Yeah. And you know, I, you know. I've, I've seen lots of, uh, well, I've say I, I've heard, uh, two of the opinions. Uh, I've heard a lot of both of the opinions and, uh, one is that he's very selfish and the other one is that he's just checked out and doesn't care. Those are the two opinions I've heard. And I would like to offer a third opinion on the matter. And uh, it's it's probably one that a lot of people don't want to hear. But it might just be that he's stupid. You know, because I, <laughs> I, I'm to the point now where I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, I I get it if you know if if he's you know playing hero ball and wants to run all over the field and all that because he doesn't think that the other guys can do it. Um, however, you know after the Eloy thing, you'd think that he would at least call off sheets. But I mean, either way, he's going into the complete opposite position. I mean, we're not talking in the alleys here. You know, we're talking no, about are- uh, another bobblehead. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Exactly. Because when he did that to Aloy in in right field, I think I mentioned it last week where I said, you know, it was very reminiscent of that bobblehead from a couple years ago in left field where Aloy was just left with that kind of stupid look on his face after it happened. But uh, this is becoming a thing. This is not just an isolated incident at this point. But anyways, please continue. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, there are just... Too many flags being, you know, seen here. That at some point, like, I just kind of have to go. Are are you slow? You know, like these are these are basic baseball things. Yeah, you know, and I get it that you're fed up with, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean. We can't say, you know, like, yeah, dude, I get it. You know, you're supposed to have competent outfielders on either side of you at this point, and they're still insisting on putting Gavin Sheets and Eloy into the outfield, which no arguments here that that is, you know, I'm tired of that. And I'm sure that he's tired of it as well, knowing that, he, you know, he's going to have to carry the outfield but i mean when you are literally almost running into the guy and passing him up to catch the ball when he's standing there i mean clearly you know like i know well, these are guys i mean these weren't just it's not like they were both chasing down a ball either they were camped out right right you're, you're passing out, them while they're standing still you know this isn't is you know the first time it was kind of cutesy and funny and we all had a laugh about it because you know obviously the reaction from Big Baby was kind of comical yeah and they seemed to kind of laugh it off and you know have fun with it and no big deal but you know this isn't cutesy anymore this is this is the livelihood of not only yourself but your partners out there. And you're talking, you're you're taking potential chances on their health, which has already been an issue for this team. Why are we adding more to that cog? Why are we giving more opportunity to end up on the injured list? It's it's ridiculous. And then you know, to just to kind of go with your point of maybe being a little on the stupid side, uh, you know, defense is one thing. Offensively, you could tell the man. 
I'm going to throw you a slider down and away that's six inches off the plate, and he still will swing at it. You need to tell him, don't swing at this pitch. It's going to be down and away. It's six inches off the plate. It's going to move way out of the zone, and he's still going to do it. Why? I don't know. Maybe he is dumb. I, you know, I mean, at some point you sure kind of have to way. wonder, hey, uh, you know, the pit, it's 0-2. If the pitch is on the outside corner, even if you can't read the spin on the ball, if it starts on the outside corner, more than likely it's going to be a slider because everybody and their brother knows that you'll swing at any any slider that's on the outside half of the plate that's going to dip out a foot, you know? And it's just, you know, I don't know, man. I, I Yeah, the acumen point, does I not just have look to ask. Right you know? I, you know, it's a it's a possibility. I'm not going to say for sure. No, you of know, course he not. He might but just I mean, be in his own head. He's he, you know, just like any other ball player when you're in a funk, he might be pushing to do whatever he can to to get himself out of that funk and to make himself feel good. But it's a valid question. Yeah. I, at this when point I'm just, I'm just just tired. That's it. I'm just tired. Of it, you know, like I'm tired of watching the same thing over and over and over again. It's like a broken freaking record. Yeah. I mean, you think that at some point that like, here's the thing is he's, I mean, I I realize that he has played in, uh, what's that? Uh, what is this? His fourth season now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth, fourth or fifth, fourth, fourth season. He came up in 2019. So yeah, this will be a sports season, right? So you know, how how is how can you not learn? It to me, it seems like it's almost like it's the exact same player that came up on the field right now, still doing the exact same things. You know, and I have to think, you know, like Pedro Grafal is a details guy. You know, he is a fundamentals guy. I know that he's been being drilled this year, at least, you know, on fundamentals. And, I mean, I will say his defense has been really, really good this year. But the fundamentals are still lacking, you know? And it's just Indeed. I, it's just aggravating. You'd think that he would learn, and, like, the outside sliders thing, like, at some point, come on, man, it's got to something's got to click at some point and it just hasn't yet. And it's been, and I'm sorry, I, I, uh, I apologize. He came up in 2020. Okay. So it's, it's he started to see, so it, it, it is going, yeah, so this, this is, is the year. start of his fourth year. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's frustrating. Um, so do you want to, uh, you looking forward to, uh, moving on to this, uh, this Jerry stuff here? Yeah, well, uh, I just want to hit a couple other notes. Yeah, yeah since, do it. Since we talked about, uh, you know, me being uh, present for Saturday's complete. Hmm. How was explosion. how was the crawl? Was it fun? Uh, the crawl itself was fantastic. Uh, you know, we uh, we got to uh, get into the park early, obviously, uh, over three hours before first pitch, which was cool. Um, you actually you know, got to see batting practice. That's a that's a first. Uh, not really. It was more field practice than anything. When we walked into the stadium, they had to tarp on the field because of the rain. So uh, yeah, well, I'm yeah. pretty sure they probably did their batting practice in the cage mm, on Saturday. Yeah, that makes sense. 
but uh, I did get to see some of the infield practice. Uh, got to watch Yo-Yo take some infield practice, which was was nice to see. Yeah, he was out there with the uh, the bright green uh, neon neon green cleats and bulging uh, his thing. Yeah, uh, after taking some infield practice. Uh, I watched him. I don't know who he was out there with. I don't know if it was one of the coaches or one of the trainers, but, uh, you know, after he had done some of that, he spent some time doing some stretches, kind of working on the back and did some wind sprints. And, you know, he looked fast during the wind sprints. He was running with, uh, like I said, with somebody else out there. Mm. Some of the stretching exercises he did, though, he didn't look fully comfortable to me. And uh, I'm wondering how far out he still might be. So, you know, that was one of the things I want to talk about. I did see Yoan. He he was moving well. He was playing good defense in the infield, uh, making some really good scoops and throws. Just not quite nimble on some of the stretches I saw. Mm. Uh, he was doing some lower back bends with the leg up on the, uh, you know, one leg and one foot up on his upper thigh, kind of tucked in, and he couldn't really bend all that well, it seemed. And I immediately thought, well, the bend I'm I'm watching right now looks like the type of bend you would see a guy make about mid swing with the knees bent and kind of you know back leg planted. Yeah, and it it, it just kind of it, it looked awkward still. And I thought, well, you know, hopefully we're talking about that eighty percent chance that uh, the AD doesn't need surgery, but there is still that twenty percent chance that he might. So I'm still hoping for the best, but it didn't look awesome. The other thing I wanted to talk about was I, I really found this interesting because uh, at one point we had made our way up into the Vizzy View Bar over in the left field corner. Hmm. And, you know, it was all part of the crawl. You know, they had a, a few of the bars out. Basically, it was the outfield concourse that was open from about 108 all the way over to like 150 one or whatever it is out there mm. uh on the other side um so we went we walked we made our way to the busy view bar we sat up right on that little balcony that they have the outdoor part of the busy bar and uh just happened to look down at the bullpen and noticed that dylan cease was uh taking some throws and when he when we first saw him there were no coaches around but what i did notice was michael kopeck you know, when you look down at the bullpen, there's, you know, two bumps out there, right? There's two actual, you know, mounds. Mm-hmm. And when he stepped on the he stepped on the rubber, he stepped on that first one right at the top of the stairs from the bullpen bench. And those stairs are literally like two steps away from that first bump. And who was over there with him working on whatever pitch he was working on? Michael Kopeck. Which I found odd. Michael Kopeck was actually over the one to be uh coaching him on his delivery and his motion. And you could see the conversation and he looked like he was talking about, you know, how he got on top of the ball. And about those six, eight pitches later, Michael kind of started going, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. You're doing it right. And then they walked away. Interesting. I think I only saw Ethan Katz out there for all of about uh, three pitches during that session. So it was definitely strange. I thought to myself, shouldn't this be the other way around right now? Should Dylan Cease be working with Michael Kopeck? But, you know, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was was being said. You know, maybe he's just trying to learn a new pitch on the side. I really don't know. But it was interesting to see for sure. Well, I mean, 
look back to last year and uh, Kopech was one of the top pitchers in the AL until he got his knee injury. So, right. I mean, we know that the skill set is there, despite the fact that everybody, for whatever reason this year, has decided to completely dog him and act like he's always been garbage, which, right? you know, I mean, yeah, last year didn't end well for him. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, oh yeah, like a four-something ERA last year. And I'm like, well, yeah, after his knee blew up, right? you know, like right. he had like a two, you know, like a sub-two ERA when, when he hurt his knee. So, yeah, not really that shocking that his ERA doubled. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's good to see. You know, like, I'm glad I'm glad that there's, you know, there seems to to be some camaraderie. That was kind of you know? what I was about to get at. After I heard what you were, you know, what your thoughts were on that. But there was a lot of guys I noticed just looked like they were laughing and having fun you know, in these pregame warmups. Cause like, you know, like you said, we didn't exactly get to see batting practice, but I did get to see a lot of pregame warmups and there were a lot of guys spending some time together, which was, was nice to see for sure. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like for anybody to be laughing, like I know that, you know, some people will say, why are you laughing? You guys haven't won a game in nine days, you know, at that point or eight days at that point, or yeah, I guess it was nine and that nine at that time um yes it was you know i mean like god i mean you know one of the things that i've been thinking about is that every single one of these guys has got to be pushing you know and every single one of them's got to be tight it looks like everybody that's on that team is wound up super tight like a golf ball you know and there's it's just like there's no looseness to this team at all there you know like you can't have you know, you can't have swagger when, when all your joints are stiff. You know, you can't have right. like a like a loose flow if you're, you know, if you're like super aggravated all the time. You know, like it just it can't be like that. And you know, like I made a joke to somebody. You know, like maybe they need to have a a Joe Madden pajama party. You know, to to loosen everybody up. You know, but I, at this point, you know, I kind of wonder like what's, you know, I mean, I, I know that this has got to be killing Pedro, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. A month into the season and the best day that, you know, like pretty much the only good day that's really been for him is the first day when he started off one and oh, and everything's been downhill pretty much since. So he's got to be, he's got to be feeling it, you know? Oh, absolutely. I don't think. If if you're in the White Sox organization at all in any position and you're not feeling it right now, <laughs> you probably need to get your head examined. Honestly, uh, you know, I, I know everybody's going out there. There's no way that these guys aren't thinking that they can't win a ball game. Obviously, they do. Uh, you know, they've all heard, you know, the last couple of seasons that on paper, you know, this team could be a monster. Uh, you know, when they're all healthy, this team can be a contender. They've heard all these things. They know who they are. Uh, you know, it's just got to be a matter of figuring it out. Maybe they're being a little too hard on themselves. I, I don't really know. But if you're not feeling some sort of discomfort, something's wrong. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 difficult watch right now. It's And I'm I sure mean, they're feeling yeah. the same. Yeah. I mean, I... It, I mean, literally every thing that Pedro has done 
has just not worked and it's it's not for you know like I, you know, there there have been some moves that he that he's done that I've been like, yeah, I don't particularly like this, but at some point, you know, like these guys have got to do their jobs. Well, yeah, and you can't blame the guy for trying to shake it up when something's not working. When he puts it on paper the right way and it doesn't work for three, four, five days in a row. All right, well, what else can we try here? You know what I mean? Let's, you know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and. Expecting different results so you know why not try something different i get that i don't necessarily agree with what has been tried in different ways but oh did we get a hats off no no i just oh yeah i just figured why the heck not yeah it's nice and bright oh right on yeah yeah i I know the hockey jersey i'm wearing here is a little bit white out on the screen but no it's good you know, I was, you know, it. I was interested. That's a really, it, it is a nice looking giveaway. Um, I just wasn't interested. I had thought about going to do the, uh, the, the crawl as well, simply for the fact that I wouldn't wait in line to go to now, that game. I just happened to look at Twitter, uh, right around, I don't know, 45 minutes or so before first pitch. And I had caught the tweets of people that were like all the way in lot. E and F, it seemed like like these lines just were blocks and blocks away from the stadium. Still, you know, an hour before first pitch, hour and a half before first pitch, and you're going, "What in the world is going on?" But then you realize not all the gates are open. Yeah, it's it's. Hey, I don't understand why they continue to leave gates closed and access accessible areas, and then. On top of it all, even for the, uh, you know, even when we were going in for the crawl, we went in at gate one and a half, which I was shocked to even see open because that's almost never open. It must be, you know, a pregame thing because you'll never see that open during regular gate hours, I don't think. At least I'd ever have. But, uh, you know, we had to go in. You're almost, you know, behind the scoreboard at that point. You know what I mean? And when we get there, they had three ticket scanners going. And after the first two tickets were scanned, two of the three broke down. Oh, man. Yeah. So even being like the first 10 or 12 people in line, we still waited 20 minutes to get in. That is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was madness. And we were actually shuffled that way by one of the, uh, I actually know the lady who, who sent us in that direction. She's been with the White Sox for a long time and has done a lot of the trainings for pretty much, you know, I won't say her name or her position, but let's just say she's uh, high on the totem pole in the operations of, of the team. And she saw the, the, the line building up at, at gate two and decided to uh, insane grab some folks and say, hey, this other gate's open and try to alleviate the problem and good on her for doing so. But then you get over there and like I said, we're, you know, 10, 12 people in and we're standing there for 20 minutes because one ticket reader, one barcode reader is working. And the funny thing is, is the two girls that had theirs breakdown didn't know how to set the situation right. And the supervisor was there just acted oblivious while he was handing the jerseys out. 
And then he was like, oh, your reader's not working? Let me get a punch this code in and see. Oh, that doesn't work. Hang on. It was like slower than molasses. It looked like these people just didn't care to be there. Whatever. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. I'm, you know, it just, it is what it is, but time for some new tech, man. Yep. Anywho. All right. You ready to (laughs) move on? Uh, I have one other point, if you don't mind. Oh, boy. So this one's a little bit different. We're going to, we're going to change directions here for a second. Uh, I don't, you know, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. <laughs> um, how, how I need to figure out how to ask you this question. How do you, I know you're a number guy, right? As we both are. But, uh, when we look at this losing streak, how do you feel about like just weird numbers and the stars kind of thing? You know, I don't want to call it astrology, but along those lines, you don't even know how to answer that question. Do you? <laughs> I'll just throw I'd out have to what know what it noticing. was pertaining to, to figure it out, I guess. Okay. So it, I'm going to call this one, the power of tens. So the white Sox lost 10 straight, right? Going into Sunday, they gave up 10 runs in a single inning on Saturday evening. Before Sunday's game, the three games prior to Sunday during that race series, the White Sox had put up only 10 runs. Sunday, they come out and they win in late inning heroic fashion. Uh, I'm just saying, maybe there was something out there that this just needed to happen. <sighs> I, I'm looking for any reason why there might be a turnaround here. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know, man. Just just putting it in. Like, I'm trying to will whatever I can into the universe to bring on some sort of turnaround from this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, hey, man. If we can get some positivity here and uh, <laughs> and something good happens... I'm all for it. Uh, you know, it's it's just been so awful to watch. And at this point, uh, to win, I think to win 90 games, they need to go like 30 games over 500 for the rest of the year. To Something win 90 like games. that. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting a uh, complete turnaround right now. But... Um, you know, going like, uh, you know, over the next two weeks, like going like a game over 500, that would be a step in the right direction, you know, and just start chipping away at this whole thing until you get everybody back and healthy. And then hopefully everything starts firing on uh, on all cylinders, you know, and, you know, I mean, it's just been it's been unenjoyable and just brutal to watch and just and literally nothing's gone right. So and yep. and. and you know, throw on top of you know, throw all that on top of the fact that they've been playing the best teams in baseball. Right. You know, I mean the Blue Jays, the Rays, you know, even the the, the Giants are halfway, you know, halfway decent. The Pirates are you know, halfway the Pirates, decent. Pirates also good. You know, I mean you, I like pretty much everybody is the Strohs, like I mean, yeah, 
Every everybody's like everybody that they've played is are all teams, you know. They're they're teams that are playing really well. And I mean, say what you will about the Pirates and whether or not they'll fall on their face eventually, but right now, they look really good. They sure do. So I mean, sure you know, you add all that other stuff up on top of that, and yeah, it's been rough. I mean, you know, I I'm hoping that uh, against the Twins and the Reds and uh, who's the other one that they got coming up. Uh, there's another one. Uh, there Cincinnati, Minnesota. Yeah, and there's uh, oh the Royals and the Royals. Kansas City. Yeah, there yeah. You go. I mean, if it, you know, you can start, uh, you know, at least looking competent, and uh, you know, go a couple games over 500 in the next couple of series. Hey, you know, they call that a winning streak. You know, I mean, like, let's hope that uh, you know at least something decent can come of this i mean if, if they just fall flat on their face after this uh the season's over you know because i mean you can't well they can't withstand another week or two of this kind of stuff no you know no that old saying you know you can't win a uh you know you can't win a championship championship in april and may but you can sure lose one well this is the epitome of <laughs> that, what we're seeing it. right now yeah they are doing everything they can to lose it fortunately they are in a weak division that is not completely out of hand. <coughs> Excuse me. Some, fun, some folks would say it is already out of hand to be able to catch Minnesota at this point. It's, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Um, it's being that Minnesota be is your division mate, and you do have a bunch of games between the two of you, it is it it it, it is more than possible to be able to catch them. Thing is, is you're gonna have to win a bunch of series against them. You're going to have to be, you know, three, four games above 500 against all the teams in the division if you want to you want to pull this off this year. Right. It's possible, but, I mean, you're really going to have to pull it together quick. Yeah. Really Brutal. fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll be honest with you. You know, we can set all those goals out there right now, but let's just start by winning two back-to-back. You know what I mean? We're going streaking. <laughs> let's hope, man. All right. Well, moving along here. Um, so Jerry Reinsdorf oh boy. is not <laughs> exactly what you would call accessible to uh, White Sox fans and uh, reporters uh, in this area. Uh, he generally makes himself pretty scarce. Uh, people see him every once in a while, you know, walking around uh, in the park, but usually not that often. Um and uh, so when he's out and about and doing things, uh, you may remember that the last time that we saw him uh, in public, he was making jokes uh, about uh, about the White Sox uh, in his uh, philanthropy uh, interview. A couple, uh, you know, like the uh, the group that he was in a couple of months ago. Um, well, this time he is in what was called Game Changers, the new business of sports. And it was a business-themed, uh, you know, owners of sport franchises uh, headed up by um, Rachel Nichols. Um, I don't remember if she's still at ESPN or if she's somewhere else. I think she left ESPN. Um, but yeah, she, sure she she's the one who was doing the interview. And uh, there was... Uh, you know, a guy from uh, 
uh, football, you know, English football. There was a um, the Washington Spirit, the uh, was it WNBA, I think, right? It's a WNBA. I'm trying yeah. to remember, yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a soccer, uh, U.S. soccer as well, and then uh, and then Jerry Reinsdorf. And right. um, so I'll go ahead and kick this off. This is the uh, the first question that uh, oh that Jerry gets, Ooh. and uh, we'll just go ahead and well, I, I've got all of his clips on here of him talking, so I'll just go ahead and play the first one here. Again. And then on the day to day, it is uh, more you got of it? a bouncing act to make money. I have nothing. What? I have video, no audio. Yeah. I, I'm amazed. I'm still amazed that these assets have appreciated the way they have without making money. I mean, what, I, I'm old enough that when I went to school, I, I learned that the value of an asset was at this kind of value of its future it cash flow. But that just doesn't seem to apply to sports. It, <laughs> it, it, it did for a while. I mean, it, 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 the, 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 when I first got in, teams were selling based upon multiples of cash flow. And then they started selling based upon multiples of gross income. And now they sell based upon how much somebody's willing to pay, without it, without any rational basis. And it's it's, it's really over, only over the last five to ten years that that this irrationality has crept in. Ugh. Yeah. There we go. All right. So now I know that you can hear it. Yes. Yes. Right. We are good. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this value equals what someone is willing to pay. Yeah. Um, irrationally, according irrational. to rational. Yeah. So, uh, way to be a salesman on that one. So yeah. what I heard was he's, he's not planning on selling the team anytime soon because whoever he was, whoever might've been interested is like, now nah, this knucklehead's going to want way more than what it's worth. <laughs> I mean, I want irrational money. I just I find it kind of just like the the whole tone of the thing just to be condescending, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, just not a not a fan. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and move here, and mm. since uh, you know we uh, redid that one, I'll go ahead and play this second one. Please do. It only gets better from here. Yeah, it only gets better. Hooray. More about uh, the idea of, you know, the fans may decide they're happy with one level of success one season, not so happy the next season. You've recently dealt with the Chicago Bulls where you had a team that seemed, okay, is it smarter for the team to make a decision where you're going to strategize for the draft? Is it smarter for the team to make a decision to strategize for the playoffs just from the nature of where you finish in the standings? How do you make those choices from a business perspective head when you also have your sports team owner's heart and you know the community's heart as well. Well, one thing you need to understand is that sports is neither a sport nor a business. It's, it's, so, it's somewhere in between. Uh, it's, it's a, and it's different than any other sport, any other business. For example, your competitors are your partners. You, 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 you earn probably over half of your income in, in, in conjunction with your competitors. At the same time, you are at the mercy of your dumbest competitor, uh, particularly in baseball. If you have, wow. you know, somebody decides he wants to spend $42 million on a second baseman who hit 202, 
and one comes along for you, mm. you either, you're going to probably have to spend the same money. I mean, so it, 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 the whole thing is irrational. Yeah, my approach has been I never really cared about making any money. I just want to win. And that's, that, yeah. that, that's not what I wanted to do in business. <laughs> and in fact, I better, I better make money in business if I want to win in sports. It's just so different. You know, the, the, uh, when I, the first week I was in sports, somebody said to me, if you listen to the fans, you'll soon be sitting with the fans. Uh, he don't want to. So you can't you can't allow your decisions to be guided by by emotion or what you you think people want. Uh, at the same time, you have to consider what the fans are thinking, or they're not going to buy your tickets. So it's 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 it, it, it's an unbelievable it's unbelievably different than the real world. It, it it really is. And I've just resolved all the inconsistencies by trying to win as often as I can, knowing you can't. It's a it's a game of failure. Think about baseball. If somebody gets three hits every time, every ten times up, he's failed 70% of the time. Sports is a business of failure. Only one team is going to win every year. But the fact that you, that you finish second or third or fourth, it doesn't mean you had a bad year. It, it, and I think, the, I think the important thing to fans is while they want you to win championships, they want to know that when you get down to the last month of the season, you still have a shot. You're still playing me meaningful games. If you if you can do that consistently, you'll make you'll make your fans happy. Can he talk out of the side of his mouth any more than? Nope, wrong one, wrong one. There we go. Oh wow! I, uh, uh, that's a that's a lot to unpack there. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, where do you start with that? Uh, his competitors are his partners. Uh, and yeah, I get that revenue sharing. Yeah, and the stupidest partner who's willing to pay forty-two million dollars to a second baseman that hits two hundred two, so you have to spend the same money. Um, <sighs> well, first of all, nobody's spending forty-two million dollars on a second baseman anywhere. Number one, not on a single season. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, I but, mean, you know, uh, second of all, I get where he's trying to go with that saying that, you know, if, you know, he's talking about, uh, he might as well have said Steve Cohen. That's exactly right yeah. off the 100%. bat. He's stupid. He might, he, yeah. Steve Cohen's dumb. He's stupid. Cause he spends he's... money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, you know, the game is a game of failure. Uh, if a guy gets, you know, hit three times out of ten, blah blah blah. Well, is a, I I I would say is a, a team successful if they win three out of every ten? Because right now that's where we're at. <laughs> right, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, you um, know. And then he goes on. He goes on to say, he, well, he didn't get into sports to make money. I didn't get into sports to make money. He All wants I to want win. to do is win. Yeah. All I want to do is win. What? Yeah. As evidenced Excuse by the, the only playoff series wins in franchise history <laughs> since he took over being in the year that uh, they won the World Series. I mean, one time in 40 plus years. Yeah. 
Four, what are we at? Forty-two years now. Forty. He's been ownership. Yeah, he bought in eighty-one. Eighty-one. Eighty-one right? yeah. for so we're, twenty we're million in the bucks. Forty-second season. Yeah, and now it's worth two billion dollars, as Grim Tall here uh, mentions. Um, so yeah, uh, that's not in it to make money. Yeah, and uh, you know we we have not talked about uh, Birdo yet. No, we have at not. all. Uh, but that uh, that phone call <laughs> where where he happens to mention that uh, Jerry gets a tax break for handing it over to his kids instead of selling it, and you know losing a bunch of money by doing that. Um, you know, I, it's just so much, so much ridiculous. Oh, so he gets a tax break. He'll hand it over to his kids, and his kids will wait for somebody to offer, uh, you know, ludicrous money. Yeah, nobody's uh, nobody's gonna actually look at a, at a real valuation of a club, whereas somebody's just gonna hand over irrational money. <laughs> it's not based on you know investments and and whatever. Oh my god, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> you know, I I kind of think maybe, just maybe, um. This is why we don't see him out very often because when he comes oh. out and says things, uh, it just gets uh, picked apart by everybody uh, for how ridiculous it sounds. I mean, to me, does it sound like he's putting some flexes out there to you? Like he sounds like he's trying to come off as some great owner who's a fan and whatever. We'll keep listening. And, and and we'll make that decision after yeah, uh, we get through all these clips. Yeah, I'll keep on going, but I mean, yeah, I um the air of superiority about how he's you know, everybody's not as smart as him. No, and the way he laughs when he makes these statements, he's got this little chuckle, this little snide smug chuckle. It gets better. It gets better. Yeah, it does. Uh, all right, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a tendency among owners to think they know more than they know. <laughs> uh, because almost everybody who buys a team has been a fan. And, of course, the fans absolutely know that they can run a team better than anybody. Of course. Owns it. So, so, so when you buy the team... You, you, you've got to get that out of your head. If, if you think that, that you know more than your general manager or your head coach, then, then you've got the wrong general manager. And what you really want is you want people in all of the positions to be better at their jobs than you are. And, and, and sometimes you just have to bite your tongue and, and have faith. And if, you know, and, and if you don't have faith, then get somebody else. But you can't make the decisions for your baseball people or your basketball people or your football people. You've got to let them make the decisions. You're getting decisions made at the team level, Calling but TLR. also at the league Calling level. You TLR. mentioned that your competitors are your partners. You have an NBA commissioner. You have a Major League Baseball commissioner that is handing down decisions about your business. You have boards of governors that collectively make a decision about your business. What has navigating that been like, especially in multiple sports leagues? I'm curious how they're different. Well, sometimes I sit in ownership meetings and I say, how in the world could these guys have made money to buy a team? (laughs) (laughs) Wowzers. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's He's smarter than everybody else. I've been in, in, in baseball for 
I think it's 42 or 43 years and almost that long in basketball. And one of the things I find is new people come into the game, they're not terribly interested in what happened before they got there. Right. Which may, by the way, is a problem that we have in our country anyway. People don't pay attention to history. And it's, it's, it's very frustrating and very hard to sit there and, and Here not comes Jerry, the politician. why things were done before they got there. Very frustrating. And to have them make decisions, I assume. Yeah, wow. <laughs> frustrating indeed. I'm smarter than everyone. <laughs> How did these people make any money to be able to buy a team? These people are clearly stupid. How do you, how do you get out of bed and tie your shoes in the morning? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and he got a laugh from the audience out of that one, but I don't laughing. Yeah, the the other owners thought it was funny. Um, oh, I'm sure they did. Probably because he's saying all the other owners in his sports are stupid. So they found that funny, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just... I mean, the gall is... <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, yeah. A few I... more to get through. I, I, you know, I don't want to go... Continue. Yeah, there's, a, there's another couple. It's a, we're only about halfway through... Grintal says, I'm surprised Rachel Nichols didn't respond. Okay, boomer. That would have probably had me in tears. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving along. Uh, Jerry, you and the NBA are in the middle of negotiating what is going to be a transformative media deal because it is going to involve streaming in a way it never has before. You've owned teams over decades. How have you seen media rights become such a bigger piece of the pie of the way you run your business? Well, it's been, it's been an amazing change, an amazing ride. I think in 1981, my first year, we were getting $6,000 a game for White Sox games. Uh, now our rights fees are about $700,000 a game. So it's, it's really moved. But, we, we, but we're now at a, at a point where nobody really knows what's going to happen next. Because we were getting away with murder with the cable bundle. Mm-hmm. You, 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 basically, people were, were, were paying for sports who really didn't want the sports. Right. But if they wanted the cable. But now we have cord cutters. We have never worse. Uh, far fewer cable subscribers. I think I saw a number the other day. The ESPN used to be in 100 million homes, and now they're in 60 million homes. Uh, so, you know, streaming is coming along, but the streaming doesn't produce the money that the cable bundle produced. And there's basically near panic, I think, you know, at least in MLB and a little bit in, in, in the NBA, because where, where are we going to replace this money in the short term? Nobody really knows. But it certainly is not immediately direct to consumer streaming. That may take the, and, 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 and there's also a problem because when we still have the cable bundle. So the cable distributors who are still around and still carrying the games, they don't want us to stream direct to consumer because that hurts their business. So I, w- I would say only, the, the only word I can think of to describe what's going on in TV now is chaos <laughs> and, and fear, maybe fear. So say that, that one works too. Um- $700,000 per game. Per game. 
is what they're getting right now. Now, when he talks about, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We're talking about the future. We've seen the RSNs fall uh, this past offseason, and that's what he's kind of getting at and, you know, the direction of streaming. But as of right now and in the most recent years, the White Sox are getting 700000 per game in media rights, broadcasting rights. That number times 162 is $113 million. Check my math, folks. But I can pretty much tell you I'm right on. $113 million in in media rights. Well, broadcasting. Yeah, but you also game. get, you know, yeah, you've also season. got the Apple deal, you know, and that stuff. You know, you're getting that money as well that's, you know, and you team, you know, revenue sharing in the neighborhood of 160 million dollars a year. You've got a stadium deal where you don't pay any taxes until you hit like 1.8 or 1.9 million attendees. Uh, you've got all these tax breaks with the state and local taxes. And we haven't even talked about selling a single ticket. We haven't talked about concessions, merch, parking, none of that. And he wants to cry like, oh, we don't know where the money's going to come from. Yeah. and We, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the, the Bulls do even better than the White Sox. Right. You know, so, um, and, and that's with putting a, you know, uh, pretty much a stuck in the middle franchise, if not terrible over the last 20 years as well. Actually, anybody else feeling the ire I am right now? I mean, Harry's really stepping in it here. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, and when you come with the you know the the Forbes thing that we were talking about earlier about how they're yeah, operating Forbes. at a fifty million dollar loss per year, it kind of yeah, makes the last you wonder. Seasons. Where's the money going then? If that's the case, yeah, and some people will tell you operating costs. You know, uh, cost so much money to operate a stadium. Yeah, sure, you've got to pay security and and guest service relations and all those people that work there, but. Uh, I can pretty much surmise that uh, antitrust laws that are in place right now that I don't think Forbes is getting the real numbers. I would say probably <laughs> not. Um, when, especially when you go to a game, a SGA game, such as the shirt you are wearing, the stadium right. giveaways, um, and you see how woefully staffed that park is. Certainly wouldn't imagine that he could really cry about uh, cry about you know over you know like having to worry about his you know paying all of his staff because he doesn't really staff enough people to feed the people that come into this you know feed or even get them into the park or into parking in a timely manner hasn't spent any money on the security system getting into the park in twenty years I mean. This is, you know, not to mention, you know, like your actual regular tax breaks where you spend money on stuff that you are buying for your team, you know, for your business, you get to write that stuff off too. So, you know, you don't have to pay as much 
in taxes because you're investing into your business. Not that we really have to worry about that because it doesn't seem like he's really investing a whole lot into the business at this point other than, you know, the fact that they've got a ridiculous payroll with a bunch of overpriced relievers on the team. Right. And, you know, here's here's the crazy thing. I've also heard it put there that, you know, folks will say, well, you know, they've done all these renovations to the stadium over the years since mm. that you know, concrete bowl was built back in 1990 and 91. Uh, what people don't realize, the folks that have said that, that there was a clause built into that stadium deal as well, that, you know, Illinois taxpayers are on the hook for that stadium, right? Basically. Uh, guess what? You're on the hook for all those renovations too. It was part of that clause. Uh, every piece of work done on that stadium is coming out of your tax dollars. Every single piece, including the new scoreboard a few years back, the fundamentals deck that was built, you know, 12, 13 years ago, however long ago it was, uh, you know, all of that stuff. That's probably longer than that now. But every single piece of work that is done uh, is the Illinois taxpayers on the hook for that. Jerry's not paying for that stuff. It's not just tax breaks. It's true. It's it's money coming from the state. All right. Let's uh, move along to the next bit of goodness here. That I know that you're excited to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now we live in a world where everyone has a global broadcast signal. How has that created White Sox and Bulls fans all over the world? And how can you, uh, as, t- as a team owner, maximize that and-, and continue the global growth of the game and of your teams in particular? Well, I don't, I don't know if the Cubs are a global brand, but they certainly are a national brand. And, and, it, was, and it was despite all their efforts. Right. Uh, the, what, what, crea- what, cr- what created the national phenomenon of the Cubs was two things. One is they were forbidden to play night games. Right. So all their games were played in the afternoon, and every kid in Chicago came home, turned on the TV, and he saw the Cubs were playing. Huh. Then uh, Ted Turner pioneered the idea of the Superstation, Somebody copied him and took the Cubs games. So now, and, and sent them around all over the country on cable. So every kid in every market came home and could watch a Cub game in the afternoon. Uh, the, the people who owned the Cubs did everything they could to stop this distribution, and they weren't able to stop it. So they created, they created this phenomenon. But now, clearly, with, with, with streaming, we're, we're getting to a point where games if the leagues allow it, can be taken all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I think you're going to be able to create more global, global brands. I mean, if Michael Jordan were playing today, I hate to think of the number of people that would be watching him in every, every, you know, every country because they could do it on oh, their computer. Yeah, he hates, the, so he it, hates it, that thought. The, the, the internet sure. and the streaming is really going to make... Hates it because he can't make money off of it now. that their leagues allow right. it all over the world and make, make them more popular. I hate to think how many people would be watching Michael Jordan right now. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> hating it because he's not making, he won't make money off he of that. He wasn't able to cap, right. He wasn't able to capitalize on <laughs> Yeah. I hate to think about how much I could have made and how much I'm actually making because. My time with Michael Jordan was premature. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, and that Birdo guy comes to mind again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If he hadn't have gotten lucky and gotten Jordan, 
things would be looked at quite a, quite a bit different. Um, I'm just going to move to the next one, uh, try and get yeah. this, uh, fit this stuff all in here. So yeah. we're not uh, taking too long with it. Right, right. Let's go. Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting because gambling really was a major reason why the NFL became as successful as it did. Great sport. People love the game. But, but the gambling was, was very important. The other sports at the same time did everything they could to discourage betting. Worried that betting could lead to fixing of games. I think people ultimately realized it's not possible anymore because with today's technology, if odds move, they have to move if money moves, that you're going to spot it right away. And players are not going to throw games for $10,000. Right. But, but the, the, the betting, gambling allows people to actually think they're participating in the outcome of the game. And now, now, now that you can do it on your phone, you can sit in a stadium and do it on your phone, I think it's going to grow dramatically. I don't know how fast, but it will grow dramatically. I mean, think about a baseball game. Uh, you can bet on, is the next pitch going to be a ball or a strike? Uh, will, will the runner try to steal a base? Will it be a home run? And so, there are a million different propositions you can be able to bet on. And, and baseball may have made a mistake by speeding up the games this year. Because while people want faster games, they want to get early. There's less time to bet between the pitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe maybe we made a mistake. But but I I, I think it's it's going to it's going to continue to grow. Uh, it, how big? Who knows? But but it just gives people one more reason to have a stake in the outcome of the not only of the game but of things that are happening in the game. Yeah, that ownership. That- so I I found one thing. Um, oh. Hold on. One thing that I found interesting there is that he said that people were interested in getting out of the game quicker. And I don't uh, necessarily agree with that. Uh, I think that, you know, like, I, I don't mind the pitch clock per se. Um, as but, long as you're in your seat when the first one starts. Yeah, I mean, there is that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that uh, it, it is moving maybe a little too quickly. Um, you know, two hour games, you know, like people used to, uh, you know, be happy when Burley would throw a two hour game because it was quick and efficient. Um, however, um, I, I don't think, you know, like, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sit through a four and a half hour long Yankees Red Sox game, No, you know, but, uh, you know, three hours, I don't see a problem with that. And also, you know, You know, the, you know, the whole thing where everybody's, uh, you know, uh, you know, everybody goes to the bathroom and they come back and it's two innings later. Right. You know, and for the price of a ticket, it continually rises year over year. Uh, you're getting less time of baseball. You're getting, you're getting less time of game. You're getting, you're paying more for less product, basically. Uh, you know, and there are those folks. I saw those tweets early on, uh, you know, people that travel to games. Because, you know, you got to think about it. Yeah, Chicago is the third largest city in the country, right? But uh, the reach that the Chicago White Sox have, you know, going into, you know, not just the, the near suburbs, but the further suburbs and into Indiana and into southern Illinois and people that travel, uh, you know, more than an hour 
you know, people that travel an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours to get to a game. Some folks are traveling that much that long just because they take public transportation to get back and forth to a game. You know, so what are you going to, you're going to spend four hours of traveling to see two hours a game and pay, you know, $55 for a ticket that doesn't even put you in the first 15 rows. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky enough to get in before first pitch with the way, right, this, exactly. with the way this franchise operates, you know, right. Your train's a little bit late. And then before you know it, it's the third inning before you even getting in there, you get a beer or two in you, you get up into 15 and to take a leak and it's the seventh inning. Might as well grab another. Now you've now, <laughs> yeah. So now you're there. You're in the stadium for two hours, but you've only seen forty five minutes of baseball. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 maybe a little too quick. Uh, at you know from that standpoint, um, I don't know. There's a bunch of nonsense here in this, you know, in this uh, Reinsdorf thing, and um, sweetie, you know, I could uh, certainly do without the uh the condescendingness i you know i'm sure his uh his fellow owners are certainly not going to be exactly thrilled with uh you know cuz i'm sure that that's going to make the rounds in in those uh circles of people um I, i'm you know i'm i'm almost i'm kind of uh looking forward to the follow up to this because the, the you know there's got to be some sort of some statement made by someone whether or not it's Jerry Reinsdorf someone He's got. A, he's going to have some uh, some follow up questions, some follow up statements, and I'm really kind of looking forward to the backlash and all. To be honest with you, I'm kind of interested. You know, um, the uh, the GM who's smarter than he is um, that he's talking about. Um, <laughs> Sports Blab going to have a field date. Well, yeah, on AM 1000 they talked about it. I heard like 30 seconds of it. Danny heard it earlier. Um, I'm kind of interested if this nonsense and the the fact that he's basically calling the other owners in his, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, like what fraction of the owners that he's talking about are stupid, but um, is this going to make the GM's job harder because they do, they want to deal with him less? Because the owner of the team that he's trying to trade with says. Nah, you know what? Uh, Jerry thinks You're I'm an idiot, stupid. so uh, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to trade this guy to him because uh, I don't want to deal with him. Somebody else will give me something that'll be comparable, maybe even just a little bit less. But you know what? Let's let him flounder. You know? Yeah. And then the whole thing about you know you have to kind of step back and bite your tongue sometimes and let the GM do his job. Uh, hello, TLR. What happened there? Because you you know it's been made abundantly clear that TLR was not Rick Hahn's guy, and like they said on ESPN one thousand, when you bring that up, was okay. You know, Pedro Grafal was, and it still remains to be seen if he turns out to be a guy. You know, we don't really know. The jury's still out. We got to give him some time. But the reality is, the TLR thing happened. He was Jerry's guy. You didn't bite your tongue and step out of your own way there, did you? So again, talking through his, you know, the side of his mouth, I, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me to hear the things coming out of his mouth, being a White Sox fan that has witnessed the years of, you know, mired in mediocrity, and to hear him say these things, it, I'm, I'm completely beside myself. Yeah, and let's go ahead and add 
on top of this when earlier, uh, late last week, Kenny Williams did an interview um, and said that there is no problem with accountability with the White Sox and that, uh, <laughs> that you know, um, you know, that things needed to change, blah, blah, blah. There's no problems with accountability. But then you hear Jerry talk about how his team president and GM are smarter than he is, and he's got to let them do their jobs. That, to me, says that he doesn't think that they're not doing a good job. Right. Yeah, he basically said, like, nobody's on the hot seat and nobody's getting fired. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, right? Yeah. Yeah, i got to be honest with you, man. I mean, since we started rolling through these clips, this stream has been... You know, we try to keep it clean around here, and I'm doing everything I can. You want to talk about biting your tongue? I'm doing everything I can and not cuss up and down. <laughs> yeah, he has that effect Ooh. on people, it seems. Yeah, um, I might need a cocktail after this one tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, it was like uh, with, with this with this thing coming out, and with like just all of the train wreckiness of the. White Sox in the last month, and then this this interview came out today. I wanted to make sure, you know, like normally we do our stuff on Tuesdays, uh, at, you know, for the last couple months. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we got on this one fresh because uh, I, <laughs> I heard it. And I was just like, you know what, I Danny's gonna Danny's got to have something to say about it, and I wanted to make sure that we got it while it was fresh. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I immediately got into. Our- chat you know one of the multiple chats that we're all part of but uh i got into our you know our chat and i said are you hearing this like because it was live on the radio when i was listening to it and i I couldn't have been more surprised honestly and i mean it just confirms a lot of thoughts that we've had but the fact that we're actually getting confirmation on some of these things from the horse's mouth yeah it is uh, (laughs) I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, to be completely honest with you, but it is funny. There's something very comical about this, even though it's a kick in the gut. Yeah, that's pretty much what this season's been so far, you know, is that, uh, you know, we came into both you and I tried to keep a positive vibe going about it that we thought things were going to be better yeah i yeah i am as well but it's getting more and more difficult oh absolutely absolutely and as i repeatedly say for people that don't have minor league baseball to watch with this white white Sox organization i feel badly for you because just about the only thing that's been making me happy with this entire organization so far this season has been minor league baseball and seeing the development of some of these younger players and seeing what the things that Andy Barquette has put into motion down in the minors, seeing the dividends that it's paying already, uh, you know. Yeah. Particularly with the dash and the cannonballers, uh, Just, just lots of great things happening down in 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 low A and advanced A. 
And even, you know, you, 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 you start to look forward to the Barons where some of these guys that were in advanced A and low A last season are now making their way up to the Barons and doing a lot of the same things they were doing uh, in the lower levels. I, there's just encouragement there, you know, that maybe the change in draft philosophy and the, and the change in, you know, at least what we've been hearing or being told in, in uh, development philosophies and, and techniques and, you know, it it just gives me hope for the future, even if it's only slight. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the guys from uh, Project Birmingham, you know, uh, Wilfred Veras was the player in this player of the week in the Sal, uh, couple of you know, uh, not this week but last week, and then this week DJ Gladney is going off with the dash, and you know, hitting home runs all over the place and making diving catches all over the outfield, playing, you know, out of his mind. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many positive developments going on right now that, you know, I, I get these comments on Twitter all the time about how the White Sox farm system is trash. And, uh, you know, it's... Well, you can't look at the Knights and think, you know, That's, and say that the White Sox system is trash because if you're in that bubble, then yeah, it kind of does look like trash because you've got a bunch of beyond their prime MLB replacement level player guys just kind of waiting in the wings. And we, I don't even know if half of them are replacement level players anymore. But uh, yeah, and they keep signing more know, that, too, you know. Right. I mean, they just keep adding to that pile. We've got a bunch of thirty somethings down in in Charlotte. Yeah. Who uh, you know have already had their cup of coffee and more. So yeah. you know anybody that's looking at the minor league system, if you're listening to this, you know, to our podcast and and you're on stream, you know, chances are you've already heard us say this over and over and over again. But uh, you know, start looking at those younger guys. Start looking at those guys at the lower level might be impressed by some of the things you see yeah uh follow us on twitter for all the uh the minor league highlights uh, at daily white Sox. uh you'll see all of these positive developments that we are talking about um yeah i mean uh yeah there's some there's there's a lot of ugly going on in the major leagues but uh in the minors there's some there's some encouraging stuff coming and uh you know you can't it, like you said you can't look at uh can't look at Charlotte and what has come up you know although Adam Hazley uh had a really nice game in that, uh, yeah, that yes, big sir, comeback Dave. um i mean there there are some you know some positives coming up from from triple a even but uh hey John Rudolph how you doing buddy um yeah you got your uh you got your outfield with uh Marisnik and Reyes and Hamilton, and then they just signed Piscotti as well because yeah, they needed another thirty something to be <laughs> over the hill outfielder. Yeah, because uh, you certainly need all those kind of outfielders. Yeah, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna provide depth for the major leagues is uh, guys that prove that they couldn't hit. You know, the and the thing is, like, I I heard somebody jokingly. I mean, I ho- at least hope jokingly say that, uh, oh, these guys are all out there to keep Luis Robert on his toes if he doesn't hustle. So, you know, just recently when they're talking about him getting pulled from Saturday's game because he didn't hustle. Oh, they got all these guys down there adding these guys to keep him on the hot seat. And I'm going, nah, he's not fearful of any of these dudes. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, 
They, I mean, they Not might more do something like that, but I don't. I wouldn't recommend it. Although I can't say that I wouldn't be mad if uh, Pedro benched Robert for three or four games. I wouldn't be upset. Well, honestly, see. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Like we've seen just about everybody else on the team get a day off. Yeah. And Luis Robert has not. Yeah, he's like five for fifty-five or something in his last ten games or something. Yeah, like if anybody games. needs a break, if anything, just to get him mentally correct, give him a day to just you know maybe take that focus away from the game. Like give him a full day off, no yeah. workouts, no nothing for you. <laughs> a couple days would work just fine. Yeah, uh, stay I think- home. Don't even come to the stadium. Yeah, Go get some rest. <laughs> I saw watch some TV, veg out, do whatever it do, whatever it does. Don't even think about baseball for a day or two, and call me, and then we'll discuss some options. But you're gonna get some time off, pal. Yeah, I saw a comment by Grimtall, uh, uh, you know, about uh, when when's when's Pedro gonna get some balls and bench somebody and replace him with somebody that's bad just to send a message. And, you know, I don't necessarily uh, disagree with that. You know, it's, it's getting to that point, you know, just watching the fundamentals and everything for this team that, you know, some guys are just going to have to be uh, benched and, and shown, Hey, you know, if you're not going to do your job, you know, somebody else will come and replace you regardless of what the results are. We, we're not going to watch this garbage anymore. You know, when does Rick Hahn get off his, I'm just gonna say, when does Rick Hahn get off his his dead ass and I, you know. pull some guys up out of the minor league system? Because you know, you want to talk about, oh well, you know, yeah, my my job might be in jeopardy. I might be in the hot seat. In his interview earlier this week, you know, I might not be safe. Well, do something. You know, we're watching this bullpen, bullpen all over itself. They're 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 dumping game after game. You know. And uh, I yet to see any moves. Yeah. We got Alex Colomay down in the minor leagues throwing really well. Yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah. I mean, not you great, know? but I mean, you know, well, uh, he's, I'm not he's, asking him to come up and be the closer either. Yeah. He He's actually been pitching in the seventh inning a lot down there. He hasn't done everything. He, he hasn't been an everyday closer every time he's come into a game. Yeah. You know, which was the big knock on him before was it seemed like, oh, you can't come into a game. It's a closed situation. Well, it seems to be that he's embracing a, a different role. Yeah. So, you know, which is uh, being I'm, in Major League Baseball. That is his role yeah. that he wants. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, let's just say he does fall on his face. Can't be much worse than what we're seeing from some of these guys in the bullpen right now. If we're talking about shaking things up, Give me a guy who's got some experience in some uh, high leverage situations. You know, I'm sorry. Aaron, Aaron Bummer needs to go work on some things. Maybe he needs a, a 10 day IL stint for a, a, a latch strain or something ridiculous where they just need to put it on the books to get somebody else up. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the thing with, with Bummer is that, you know, you saw it in the other game in the other day. Uh, I think it was yesterday. You know, it was like, Giving up like what fifty foot singles, you know, that just out of the reach of of guys, and you know, it's not like he's giving up hard contact most of the time. Most of the time, it's just like this little dribbler that just happens to find a hole, and he gets really unlucky. Now, I will say that it would be nice yeah, to see a little bit more. I would I would like to see a little bit more swing and miss, but it is what it is. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? 
you know, I'm just saying there's a there's a couple of guys in this bullpen that just maybe it's bad luck, you know. I, I it's been probably about a week or so since I've gone and looked at the Babip numbers, and a couple guys did Babip, Aaron Bummer being one of them. But uh, you know, there are some other guys that just aren't pulling their weight, period. And you know, if we're really in this window of contention, which is laughable at this moment. But, you know, if you were to talk to White Sox press, I feel like they would still say that publicly. Uh, why aren't we doing the things that we need to do just to make the moves to, you know, maybe give the guy, you know, or two at some time to figure some things out, bring somebody else up. You know, we talk about that definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, we've been rolling out that same crappy bunch all season and they can't get it done. Yeah. Well, I will say that uh, generally a ball that leaves the bat at 107 miles an hour with a 25 degree launch angle is generally going to have about a uh, 1000 BABIP. (laughs) And that seems to have been a problem as of late. So uh, yeah, let's hope they figure that out. But Hey, Speaking of uh, Jake Cheekman, um, Garrett Crochet made his first rehab outing uh, yesterday. Uh, if you have not seen it, I put the entire uh, inning condensed onto our Twitter feed uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, you can see the entire inning that he threw. I think he was, uh, I don't think it was like 10 of 13 for strikes. And I uh, had a strikeout and a ground out and a uh, line out to right field uh, in his quick inning. And he uh, hit 97 miles an hour. His slider looked nasty. Um, got some swings and misses on the slider. And, uh, yeah, things looked pretty good. So it was nice to see him uh, back on the bump again. And, you know, I, I don't think that uh, it's it's going to be a little bit until he until he gets back. Hey, what's up, Ladder? How you doing? Yeah, it totally. Nice minor league debut for him. Uh, maybe he makes it to the show someday. Uh, well, I think that that someday is going to be sooner than later with the way things have been going. I think they see the writing on the wall for Cheekman and, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, Tanner Banks already got uh, sent back to uh, – Charlotte, so you know you got Deekman and Bummer, the only two lefties in the pen right now. So, you know one of those guys is going to go, and I would assume it's probably going to be Deekman because he's just been fairly terrible this year. So, um, yeah, you know I mean say what you will about Bummer, but we, you know as we say, you're getting Babbitt to death, as is generally the case for Aaron Bummer when he's pitching. If something goes wrong for him, it's just because <laughs> it's just a a dribbler that's just out of out of reach. So, yeah, uh, you know, and I said this on on the White Sox daily tweet in the responses. You know, watching the clip of uh, Garrett Crochet kind of work through that inning, and uh, you know, having some really nice movement on the slider. You know, and he was sitting ninety six, ninety seven on the fastball. Uh, Let's just hope that in the coming, you know, week or two or three, however long it is, that they decide to stretch him out in the minors before bringing him up to the major league ball club. I'm really hoping to see that velo kind of come up just a few notches because we've seen 
we've seen 96, 97 mile an hour Garrett Crochet as opposed to 99, 100, 101 mile an hour Crochet. And the results are, they're shockingly different. Well, I will say this, that when a guy is on his way to TJ, his fastball tends to flatten out. This is true. So, you know, if a healthy crochet throws 97 and it moves with movement, yeah. That that's better than 96 mile an hour crochet where it's straight as an arrow. I mean, we saw that with Zach Birdie as well. Ala Zach Birdie, it was just coming out of my mouth. Yeah, straight <laughs> as an arrow, you know, and uh, you know, it took him a remarkably long time to rehab from his TJ and to get his velo back, but I mean, if you saw he's uh up on the old uh, uh for crying out loud we're getting we're getting botted get out of here with that nonsense boy mm, see um, ya yeah so uh you know i it's i i will reserve judgment on crochet's velo until i see uh, a little bit more of it and uh see what kind of movement you know i've only seen you know like six fastballs seven fastballs so far. So um, I, I will reserve judgment to see uh, if the 97 is a ramp up on Velo and if he continues to pitch and it starts to elevate a little bit more, you know, it would be nice to have a 98-99 Garrett Crochet at, you know, that can maintain that Velo for an inning or two. And, you know, I yeah, know a bunch he's of got people, a little bit of run on that fastball. It's, exactly. It's a different hundred percent different. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people have complained that, uh, they would rather see him, uh, getting tuned up to be a starter. Um, but I don't know. I think that, uh, with the white Sox, I, I just don't see how, I just don't see them doing it. How about that? It's not that I don't see how they do it. Uh, I just don't see that they're going to judging well, by how they've done it. Again, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, if you were to ask this, you know, the top brass of the White Sox organization, they still believe they're in their window of contention. Uh, and, you know, I don't think they're, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think they believe they're going to be afforded that opportunity to just let Garrett Crochet get stretched out in the minors for an entire season and then bring him up as a starter next year. They They just don't view it in that particular way at the moment. Now, if this continue, if, you know, if they continue to lose and really dig themselves a hole, maybe, you know, maybe that happens. But right now I believe they believe they can still win the division, whether or not they go deep into the playoffs. I believe they, they still believe they can win this division. And uh, unfortunately that means Garrett Crochet is going to make his way to the major league ball club in pretty quick fashion here. Yeah. It's going to take some, Gonna take some major work to win the division. Um, also, uh, rehab uh, stints. Um, Ta and Hanser Alberto have been making their uh, rehab stints in Charlotte, and uh, Ta's had some some decent at bats. Uh, also, some very quick at bats. Um, but uh, he did unleash a uh, a nice double into the right center field gap, and it was. Uh, Nice to see it was very reminiscent of what we're used to seeing up here on the south side from T.A.'s bat. And, 
you know, it'd be uh, nice oh, to Timmy's get that going back. the other way. Timmy's going the opposite opposite side gap. You know, he's it usually means he's seeing pitch as well. Yeah. So you know, I think uh, him coming back will probably be, you know, one of the sparks needed to help ignite this team. Unfortunately, I feel like there's going to be multiple sparks that need to to come around to uh, get this team back to what we were kind of at least hoping for anyway. Yep, for sure. Um, Well, that about wraps it up for the week. Um, Next week, not sure. I would assume probably go back to Tuesday, but I'm not 100% sure. We'll find out. Um, But uh, you'll be able to find this in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts or on whitesoxdaily.substack.com. You can also find this stream on YouTube if you search White Sox Daily. Uh, We also have Facebook groups that you can join in on. Um, Yeah, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Yeah, you'll catch our very own Xavier Sanchez uh, doing some uh, pre- and post-game wrap-ups, if you will. Series recaps as well. Yeah, good stuff stuff from Xavier. Um, Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, hopefully something good's coming in next week. Uh, Grimtall actually uh, messaged me the other day. He said, hey, do you think we're going to see a a win before the next stream? (laughs) And how do you like that? We got one. Yeah, we did get one. We did get one. Uh, I did, you know, did not see it firsthand, but I caught the highlights. Uh, Good stuff going on there. You know, before we sign off, I just have to mention that I find it kind of funny to hear the the remarks from uh, Andrew Vaughn and, and Mike Clevenger talking about, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying that this was the the win we needed to turn the season around. You know, this team, this is with the morale booster that we needed to, to, to get us back to feeling good about ourselves. Well, today's an off day. So you go ahead and you sit on that win for an extra day and you let it sink in. And I hope, I hope, that both of those guys are right in their sentiments right now. Let's hope so. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you have Yo. been watching White Sox Daily Live. You guys have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Yeah.